0: Hello and welcome to Off the Shelf Reviews. I don't think you should go down that road. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss *The Road*, which released in 2009, based on the book by Cormac McCarthy, with a screenplay by Joe Penhall and directed by John Hillcoat. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis?
1: Well, the story follows Viggo Mortensen's character, Man. He has found himself in what appears to be North America during a post-apocalyptic situation and is striving his best to survive with his son named Boy. As the two of them start to make their way down the long road to safety, they have to avoid marauders, cannibals and just the deadly elements to try to help them survive.
0: (sighs) So apparently the director for the film had read the book before it was even published and Mm. fell in love with it and knew that he wanted to uh, make the film for it. And when the writer was hired to do the screenplay for the film, he was hired, I believe, because he said that he didn't need to change any dialogue from the book because it was practically perfect already. Yeah. Uh, and this was a book as well that uh, spread pretty successfully by a word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd heard nothing about it until I was literally gifted a copy and told, you love post-apocalyptic, you know, worlds. Yeah. You should read this book. And I have to say, the, the book itself was a page-turner. Mm. I read it in, in nearly one sitting. And I probably would have done it if it hadn't gotten so late. And by the time I put the book down the next morning, the film was out. <laughs> you know? It was like such a quick turnaround. Yeah. And and knowing uh, the the themes of the of the book about basically a struggling parent looking after their child, the themes, I think, are pretty much universal. Oh, so yeah. I think it had a mass appeal.
1: Yeah, I, I was the same as you. All of a sudden this movie just appeared and people were like, Ian, you need to see The Road. And I remember sitting down and watching it with some friends. And by the end of it, they were kind of bored on their phones and I was just fucking entranced by it. I mean, it was late. You know, I don't think they were in the mood because it's a pretty fucking depressive fucking <laughs> well, yeah. story. You know, <laughs> group of friends hanging out, having a few beers, you watch this fucking thing. Um, but but what stood out for me was you know the visuals, you know the acting, just. Every every positive element you ever want from a movie, this movie gave me. And this is actually only the second time I've watched it since it came out in 2009. Okay. I watched it and it just embedded itself in my mind. And I was like, I don't need to ever watch that movie again. Like, Vigo Morrison is just so good. You know, this is, this is post-Aragorn. This is post-Lord of the Rings. But, you know, for some of us, he's done so many other roles, you know, before Aragorn and, and after, that he's just... When he takes on a character... He really takes on that character. And all of a sudden, you're not looking at Viggo Mortensen anymore. You're looking at the character he's made. Absolutely. The man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or we'll probably just refer to him as dad throughout, <laughs> throughout the video. Yeah. But uh, Viggo Mortensen actually said he was due to take a break. and Not retire from mm. acting, but he wanted a long break uh, from, from film. Until, obviously, this script came along and he got heavily invested in it. And would actually take a two-year break from acting in film. After the road. Probably to recover as yes, well. yeah. Because he threw himself into this part. He starved himself in pre-production, during production, uh, so that he would feel... You know that starvation yes and he would slowly start to degrade and he also the you know the prop clothes that he's in he stayed in them he slept in them yeah. he made them his own so that he was engrossed in the world and in the character he was in reportedly to the point that when he went into local supermarkets or stores he was kicked out by security because they thought a homeless person had wandered into their store yeah it's just like that's yeah so he uh, wasn't necessarily method acting but he really wanted to engage with this part and make it as authentic and believable as possible.
1: Yeah. As the movie starts, you know, the world is already dead. We don't know how. And I think that's one of the beautiful mysteries of this movie is that... It's not important. No, no. I mean for me it kind of is i kind of want to know because it's such a fucked up world i'm like what has caused this you know we've got we've got boats in the middle of roads with no water we've got fire laced the whole you know horizon like it's napalm you know like and
0: this is nearly a decade after the apocalypse yeah so it's like it's ongoing yeah it's like things still haven't quite totally died yet you know he, he mentioned something like uh, it being an earthquake yeah. And he was like, well, that's probably the least of our worries in this day and age. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, oh, my. Uh, but then we, we, we find out that we're almost in like a dream state where he's flashing back to his home life. Where, yeah. You know, he's looking after his horse. He's looking after his wife, his yeah. pregnant wife. Yeah. Uh, until we get that shock where he wakes up at night looks out at the curtain and there's like an orange light. Yeah. And then he's rapidly filling up the bathtub with water, which you know is one of those emergency reactions because you don't know when the power and the water's going to get cut off. Yeah. And the panic ensues until, you know, he keeps getting jolted awake when he's right next to his son again. Yeah. And we keep getting those intermittent flashbacks uh, throughout throughout the story to kind of remind you of life before. Yeah. And also because even though, Charlize Theron's character mum isn't in, you know, the main narrative flow. We realise she's not there when he wakes up. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a constant reminder as to what they've lost and, you know, as also serves as the drive for where they're going on this road.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought that was great when I was looking at the notes that um, Charlie Theron had read the book and wanted to put herself in the role, you know, as the mum. But they also greatly expanded her character as yes. well, to, to yeah. give it a bit more uh, backing. And, I mean, I love it, but I also fucking hate her as well. She plays it so well that, you know, one moment they're, they're dealing with her pregnancy. You know, we don't know how long they stayed alive after we saw them wake up. All we know now is that she's given birth. And then the next flash that we'll see later on in the movie, like, the boy looks about seven or eight. So, I mean, I could be wrong, but they've at least been there a couple of years still in the house and she is suffering with depression. She's suffering with, you know, postnatal problems. She she hates the world that they live in and she's questioning about, like, about taking her son with her, like a, a joint suicide thing. You know, there's the scene where she's like, there's only two bullets left. We were hoping for three because, you know, then I could kill myself, kill the boy, and then you could kill yourself. And it's just like... What are you even thinking? Like, like, like I'm a parent, but I don't know if I could actually kill my child like that. But then again, it's like, a
0: sweet mercy. Yeah. At the end of life on yeah, this planet, it's where you're horrible to think, you know, like you, you might get killed, you might get eaten, or probably both and worse. Yeah. And so to spare your child that horrific end with a quick bullet is a mercy. Uh, but it's a horrible thing to even contemplate. And the fact that this mother character has been contemplating it for nearly a decade. Mm. You can tell that, you know, her life. Well, life has no meaning to her anymore. And no. that's what she's contemplating. Like, it's not just enough to live. There's... what you know, oh, sorry to survive because there's nothing to live for anymore but, but all of our neighbors have killed
1: themselves but, as well but, but that's just, the way to out that's the mistake that she's also making is that the child is what they have to live for like you know taking taking away that child's life is almost as horrible as just not feeding him you know just let you know Oh well, the world's bad, and I don't like it, so I'm going to kill him because I'm hoping that he'll go to somewhere better. It's like you don't know that this is this this is this is life. This is now life. The Earth has moved to this stage now, and so uh, the emotion in Vigo oh, Mortensen's face, as well is the dad, where like we said, we keep flashing back, and he's teaching his son. You know, they're sleeping in the car, aren't they, um, near the tunnel? And that's when we first kind of see some Marauders uh, come up in their truck. And these guys have got guns, you know, they're killing people. They're taking everything that they can because they themselves just want to survive. And we don't know what they have been through or what they have had to do or had done to them that now they're grouping up. I mean, like I said, we've all seen Walking Dead. Like, do you join Rick or Negan? You know, which one's the better kind of scenario? But it's such a tight sequence. Um, I mean, we have Garrett Delahunt um, playing one of the uh, marauders who kind of walks off to take a leak and dad and son have already escaped from the car and made their way out into the woods and they're watching and dad's only got these two still the two still two bullets that they had and he's he's you know they have this face-off confrontation and you know that the that the 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 marauder is he's just going to kill them you don't want to kill them you don't want him to kill you But like I said, this is the world that you are trying to survive in now. And so when he has to fucking blam in the head because he's kidnapped the son and he's ready to fucking slice his throat. I get emotional when he's when he's sat next to the river. Yeah. And he's washing the blood off his face. And he's like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Nobody's going to kill you.
0: It is a really, really intense scene. And Garrett Delahunt, he's a superb character actor. And when he does the, you know, just come back with the boys. It's going to be fine. Just get in the back of the van. And he does that grin. Yeah. He's just like, oh, you're so full of shit. You know? And, of course, we saw, like, one of the other guys on the back of the truck moving. And he's missing half of his leg. And it's like, did they eat his leg? Like, even though he's part of the posse or whatever? Like, they are still eating each other? Possibly. That's probably how desperate things are. I will say... Uh, The film does a really good job depicting Mm. and establishing these are cannibals, these are bad guys. Yeah, yeah, totally. Without uh, needing to show it in extreme graphic detail, which, if you sort of let you know, if you ever decide to read the book or not read the book, the book depicts some of the cannibalistic acts and shows some of the slavery uh, that's going on. uh, And of course, your imagination is much more graphic in its details than the film. Uh, decided to not, not shy away but yeah. not, but felt like it didn't need to gratuitously need to. show but suggest it yeah um so so uh, but i think that works on the strength of the actors that you believe when they say like they're gonna you know eat you and rape, rape you and me. kill you in whatever order they choose on the day yeah you know you, you believe it yeah uh, and I have to say as well, the sequence where he's uh, with his son in the river, um, apparently when they were filming this, conditions were freezing cold, mm-hmm. and they, they promised the boy, like, you're going to do this, and we're going to do it in two takes, and you're going to be fine. Mm. Obviously, on the second take, the sun came out, and uh, that ruined it, because they, they needed to make sure the yeah, sun didn't yeah, appear at all throughout yeah. the film, so they made him do it again, and apparently the tears and the sobs and the cries during the following improvised then sequence was was real, because yeah. the boy was in tears but Vigo stayed in character played the dad for real pretty much and kept the scene going and I guess quite a few of those little happy accidents I guess kind of you know continued throughout the filming uh, because everyone was so involved in what they were doing and so it just made for those precious real moments when the actors were exhausted tired and beaten yeah They, they they just knew the characters so well that they could just have those little moments which comes through on screen so well.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean Cody McPhee playing the boy, like he he's so good as as this child actor in this horrible situation because you know, like he, he doesn't wanna just be broken down and crying all the time and being dragged around. He believes in his dad. He loves his dad. What is he? He just keeps calling him Papa. Papa, you know, and just every kind of scenario they get into like, the dad is doing his best to help his son and keep him alive. But at the same time, he's he's two seconds away of fucking ending his life. Like we said, that the, you know, the dad doesn't want him to get caught and be traumatized and hurt. Well, there was that... I thought
0: it was a fantastic sequence early on where they're going past like a giant barn area. Mm. And they decide to go inside to scavenge for food. Yeah. And they see a bunch of corpses hanging from the yeah. rafters. Yeah, and yeah. Of course, dad, man, is just like, this is a you know usual sight really yeah whereas the boy still just like wants to just touch them make sure it's like he's kind of confused by it still doesn't quite understand yeah all he knows is they've gone to a better place
1: maybe maybe you know that's where mum's gone
0: but it's again just underlining that uh that the you know the the end of all hope uh yeah. whereas for strangely you're kind of hopeful for these two characters that don't seem to have completely given up
1: yet well that's that's it the, the dad hasn't given up he wants to save his son and so like I said that's why that's why I kind of hate the mum character because she didn't she didn't care about the dad and she didn't care about the boy she really really just cared about herself which I know is a mental health issue but so she cared about anything at that point she just it. wanted it all to be over but that's not the way you know like I said luckily the film The film doesn't dwell on that too much. You know, we we don't need, we we focus so much on the father and son relationship that you kind of forget you don't know what, has caused the apocalypse and you you don't know what's making all the marauders and robbers and cannibals go around and do all their things the camera is just literally just focused on these two characters and visually i i, I love just everything they're walking down through i mean i think uh, john hillcote did absolutely his best to convey this post-apocalyptic wasteland with I mean, obviously, you know, I don't know really much about special effects and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, what is CGI? What is map painting? What is just well done practical
0: effects? They went to a lot of real world locations Mm. where natural disasters had occurred, such as flooding or fires. And so they got to walk around these actual locations and go, "Okay, this is kind of exactly what we need to match Mm. in the film if they didn't already just film there. Uh, But... The CGI, they mostly CGI'd the skyline right. because they yeah, needed yeah. it to be consistent yeah. throughout the entire film, which yeah. was, you know, no sunlight, always gray, cloudy, yeah. and always that grey tone over everything. Yeah. So uh, that's mostly where the CGI
1: work came from. Well, that's it. It's it's like ash, isn't it? It's yeah. like there's ash in the air and then there's ash on the ground. Well, because everything's burnt everything but then it's like what burn it did the sun go supernova is that why there's no sun Is (laughs) i think it was probably a volcano or a comet of some size yeah but then like i said the film doesn't dwell on it enough it just says look it's happened let's just follow these two characters and like well i should just say you were we are following these two characters but the
0: reason being was that that was mum's last words mm, go south go south no no, we don't really know any particular reason you know, it's just that she just gave them a purpose before she left.
1: Well she did she did say, didn't she, that they weren't gonna survive another winter in that house. Yeah. Um and so to move south and dad even says that if we move south it's a lot warmer we'll hopefully but we'll even survive. though they
0: end up in frozen a frozen wasteland on the way there so i'm like well, how cold is it back with they've never left
1: yeah like it's getting
0: real bad but you're right about the landscape shots like we when they're walking down that the the, the road and you've got all the telephone poles so just yeah. like skeletons basically in the road uh yeah just all the destruction the debris that falling down buildings and cars yeah uh they're like that tunnel where the the marauders were Uh, It is all just very visually evocative. Uh, And sometimes the two characters are not even talking. And the music is doing the talking for you. And it's very dreary and moody. uh, And it gives you time to watch and reflect on the imagery that you're seeing whilst you... Connect with these two characters who yeah. you know who who we watch get slower. A starvation takes them. They have that really sweet moment where he pries open a vending machine and oh, gives the him can of the can coke. of coke. Oh yeah, there's a bit of a continuity error there with the can when he gets it's horribly dented, but when he's drinking from it, it's totally fine. Yeah, and I, was, uh, I
1: wonder how many cans of coke they went through. I was going to say, and well, as soon as he opened it, shouldn't it have gone? Psh- well, sure. all up in his
0: face. <laughs> I don't know. With it being like nearly a decade old, like, I'm pretty sure it, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been like like oil. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, uh, they apparently they filmed that sequence multiple times with a different can, branded can every time. Because right, they're like, right. oh, "There's no way Coca-Cola are going to let us have it." Yeah. Because uh, in the book, it's a can of Coke. Right. Uh, so apparently, Vigo went a hold on it. Oh, we're not going to keep filming the scene with different bottles or cans. Yeah. It's going to bring up Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, hey, it's Viggo Morrison. Yeah, yeah, the guy from Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we want, we want to use a can of Coke in, in this movie. We can? Oh, great. We can use a <laughs> can of Coke. Let's go. Okay. That's one, Viggo. Thanks, Aragorn.
1: <laughs> I mean, some of the most horrible sequences, though, really hit home. Like, they, they, they come across a house, um, and they make their way inside the house, which, like, I love the fact that... You, dad doesn't just leave the kid around somewhere to hide and then go and search the place himself he's always got the kid with him he's taking him into the house with him and they they come across like a, a a padlocked cellar door um and they prize it open and they go downstairs to look for food and things like that and i mean the boy has kind of looked around at certain things outside as well like stumps with huge axes in and huge blades so you know something nasty is either happened or been going on and then when they get down into the basement you just find like all these emancipated prisoners half-eaten prisoners oh my God. <laughs> yeah men and women maybe even children You can't really see very well because he's only got a tiny little uh, like match lighter that he's using but dad then realizes oh fuck, you know these guys are like eating these people this is their storeroom um and so they rush out to try to escape out of the house and the people come back and so he takes the boy up the stairs they go into the bathroom you got what noses and ears and all this other shit in the sink you know so as much as he's trying to protect the boy he's actually inadvertently brought him more and more traumatic things to fucking see and um you know they're trapped in the bathroom and they can't get out and he's two seconds away from blowing the kid away. And the kid's just like, Papa, am I going to see you again, Papa? And I'm just like, no, no, fucking kidding, it, God's sake.
0: It's horrendous. It really is. Uh, but thankfully, they've riled up the prisoners downstairs. Yeah. And a couple of them have smacked up through the floorboards or through the latch to try and get out, which causes a bit of a ruckus and a moment uh, for, for man and boy uh, to make a break and get out of the house.
1: Yeah. And then they have to wait outside, don't they? They they, they, they can't run too far because you've got two guards there. One of them's got a rifle. So they've literally just on the outside of the house. And then they're falling asleep. It's night time. And all you can hear are the screams coming from the house. He has to cover house. his son's ears. Ears, yeah. You know, the, you're just hearing whatever they're, they're fucking killing there. I mean, when he wakes up and they're still sleeping, I, I, maybe it's just me. But I would have probably gone and burnt the fucking house down with them all inside. Just to get my own back. Uh, but I get the fact that he just literally picks up his boy and he's just like, let's go. It's
0: safer that way. Yeah. I think, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other sort of moral dilemma running through the film is that, you know, uh, man is teaching boy to carry the fire yes. inside him. Yes. And it's up to you really to kind of figure out what, what that means. We're the good guys. Uh, but We're that is guys. what he is trying to cement in his boy, that we are the good guys. And that almost everybody that we come across are the bad guys. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's kind of a bit of an easy way to put it. It's just, you know, it's black and white that way. But that's when we have some of these other interactions that come along throughout the film where we realise like the boy is innocence and purity.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, And kindness to strangers is coming through. Whereas dad will also see that as, uh, as a weakness, uh, as a, as a liability that will get his boy killed considering how dangerous everything else
1: is. Yeah. But it's, it's also, like I said, as a, as a parent, you, you don't want to take the innocence away. You know, Dad kind of sees that. He knows he can't, like, he can't just kill everybody that he comes across. He, he has got to kind of talk his way out of situations. He has got to try to, to, to make some kind of friends. I mean, we have this great moment where they, they come to a house um, and the person inside has died and they, they cover up the body not they, they must have just died in bed or suicide or whatever and when they go outside and they go to leave they come across a bomb shower and it's one of the most heartwarming moments in probably the whole film i mean there's another it's the moment of about. reprieve isn't yeah. it they're just like
0: they've got a break because they were only, got break. they were looking in the mirror not too long ago yeah. and they're like look how skinny we are yeah. You know, so to have this, this moment, you know, where they've got food for years, yeah. medical supplies, it's warm, yes, you know, and, uh, but uh, so, yeah, you know, they, they share that they share some meals together. Yeah. You know, he opens up a bottle of Jack Daniels. They get to wash <laughs> yeah, themselves, clean do. themselves. Yeah. And, you know, like, like they, they've made it. Yeah. They're going to be OK here for at least a couple of years. But during the night, you can hear a dog barking can hear somebody yelling. Yeah. And Dad knows, you know, next day, we're out. We're taking everything we can and we're leaving. Because if there's somebody nearby, they may have seen us. They may eventually see us. And it's not going to be safe.
1: Yeah. And they, they can't just stay in this bombshell forever. I mean, it's only tiny. They need to, they need to, like, still go outside. They still need to exercise. So, you know, it's... Uh, like it's a false heaven i suppose you know here's god like like you had that moment where i suppose dad had kind of prayed you know like he was he was crying vigo had broken down was crying because he just wanted a fucking break he needed something and now they found all this food i mean there was a wonderful sequence where you know, like I said they they've had a wash they they clean. Dad's kind of cut his beard down a little bit, short his hair, put on a little suit for himself. The boy's got a little clothes on, and they're they just enjoying this amazing meal. He's smoking a cigarette. He even says to the boy, like, I see. I bet you, I I seem like an alien from another world to you. Yeah, you, know? you can imagine that. It's a great uh, line, it's isn't so it? So great. Yeah. It's so fucking great. You think I come from another world, don't you?
0: But yeah, due to the the noise that they heard, they know they've got to get on the road again.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's not long after before they see a stranger just a little bit a ways down the road. Oh, man. Yeah. Just stumbling along. And uh, the confrontation, they're just like, well, the, the man starts throwing his belongings at, well, sorry, old man starts yeah, throwing his belongings man, yeah. at man and boy. Like, just take it. I haven't got anything. No, no, you nothing, take yeah. it. And uh, man's just like, well, I'm, I'm not a thief. Like, I don't want your stuff. Have yeah. it back and uh and they they just want to move on but boy is just like but we're we're the good guys papa we're the good guys let's feed him you know and they share a, a can of uh, a fruit with him which yeah. he ends up vomiting some of it up yeah. uh, but they invite him back uh, to have dinner with them for one night fucking robert deval robert deval is almost unrecognizable here but he delivers such a such a sweet innocent role here yeah. you really believe that he has been through some shit yeah in this last decade yeah. and again he uh improvised this whole sequence where he talked about having a son oh, who'd just man. gone and that was because again the actors were tired and cold and they
1: were just in character while the cameras were rolling and this beautiful magic happens devout playing eli he's just he's because he's he's got cataracts or he's going blind, he's going blind or whatever yeah. and he's just staring off and Vigo says to him, like, you know, what happened to your son? And he takes a moment because you can you can tell that Davao is kind of reliving it, yeah, memorizing it. You know, did this boy die before the apocalypse? After the apocalypse, did he have to kill him himself? Did he was it, did he watch him die? You know, like he even said, wasn't it? Like, I'm ninety. Does that work getting you out of trouble? And he's like, No, I still get beaten up. And he he, he says to Vigo, he's just like, I don't want to talk to you about it.
0: As you would probably not want to talk of it either.
1: Yeah. It's like, oh "Oh, my God. And then the next day he's just gone. He's, you know, Eli is just walking off and and man and boy are walking off in their own directions. And like I said, I, I, I get a lot of the people's mentalities in this movie of the position that you find yourself in. But this 90 year old man is just fucking walking, you know? If he can do it, there is in no there there isn't really any need for all this horrible other shit. That's just selfishness of people doing whatever they want to survive. This old man, God knows how the fuck he survived, but he's just he's just going. Um, and and man, Rigo's character finally gets the boy to the ocean. Because that's where they've been aim- aiming for, kind of to well, see
0: Well, they, they they had no promise that there would be anything there. A light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. And when they get there, there isn't anything. There isn't. There's
1: nothing. It's just grey
0: water, grey sand, grey sky. So that's almost at that point where you'd abandon everything. You're like, there's nothing here either. Like, but, it,
1: but it's still a surprise to the boy because he hasn't seen any body of water this big. Which, I mean, Gary and I were discussing this before. Like, we have both different ideas about how this world has been made apocalyptic and all that. Um, but I, I kind of go with a theory. And we know that Vigo's character has kind of been dying since the start. You know, well, he's had a
0: progressive cough.
1: Yeah, and you know, like, he's he's starving. He, he's not doing well with his diet and things like that. Maybe he's got, you know, liver problems, kidney problems, all this other stuff. He's just, he's literally using his last few days that he can to survive, to show his son, I need you to survive as best as you can. You are you are hope. You know, the, the boy is just hope for whatever kind of future. And so when they get to the, the ocean um dad sees a ship out there and he goes for a swim now kind of theorize i theorize that there's something wrong with the water i'd like there's no way the ocean would stay natural in this in this world for for a long period and so dad decides he's going to go swim out and check this ship um we don't actually see what he sees in there we don't you know we don't even know how really long he's he's in there for he fucking literally swims out there and we see, and we see somebody coming down to the beach seeing the boy um underneath his camp and then dad's coming back and everything is gone the boy is literally just there on the beach on his own i mean that was a, another sweet point that we actually did miss as well as when they came across that waterfall Oh, yes. And they gone yeah. for the little yeah. swim. Again, so... it's, it's just
0: the little moments, you know, because it's like something bad happens to them. Something yeah. worse happens to them. Then there's a little break. Yeah. And then something bad happens and something worse happens. And then things get really bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where all of their stuff's been taken. Like all the supplies from the bomb shelter, yeah. gone. Yeah. Their trolley of stuff, gone. All their everything taken yeah like dad ends up picking up boy and they and he's just with a haste as, as fast as he can go because you can see how sickly he looks yeah, yeah. as he rushes back down this road uh, only to see this this also very slow moving person carrying their stuff who when they catch up to them just immediately surrenders it and this mm. is where man gets a little bit Brutal with him because he forces him to strip down, including his boots, and then leaves him as he intended to leave man and boy. Whereas of course the boy is just like dad. This is wrong. This is horrible. I know he robbed us and took everything, but doing this back is is also wrong. Yeah. Uh, And it's only after enough time has passed that man understands his boy and allows him to drop off the, The the, the 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 clothes and leaves a can of fruit there with him as well Uh, and so whether whether that guy ever comes back and finds his clothes
1: man I or wanders off and dies I love Michael K. Williams I think he just acted so many great fucking roles in his lifetime and just seeing like Kudos to the guy to just stand there with, with his hands on his junk, just pleading, freezing cold. Yeah. just pleading, don't leave me like this, man. You're doing me so wrong. But I, I, I get it from dad's point of view. You were going to leave us exactly like that. And the guy's just like, yeah, but I didn't kill the boy. I could have easily killed the boy. And I'm thinking that doesn't make this fucking shit any better. You know, you could have at least waited you could have sat there you know dad is so paranoid as well that people have been following him this, this this whole time and he's doing everything he can to you know like i said how how much shit have they seen on this road we only know this segment you know how long have they actually been on the road since they left this house you know what is he have done has he has he killed any other people without the gun with with other weapons it's just your mind boggles but You know, they leave Michael K. Williams, they take all the stuff, they drop the stuff off on the ground again, but he's just shouting, hey, hey, yo, you know, just, but there's nothing, there's there's nobody there. And then as they're making their way through this kind of little town neighborhood thing, they they come in the fire from arrows from a window, somebody's firing arrows from a, a bow and arrow, and dad takes one of them to the leg, and he'd already recovered a flare gun
0: from, from the tanker, th- yeah, from the
1: ship when they'd gone out swimming, and so he manages to crack the guy right in the fucking chest. Right,
0: <laughs> well we hear the screams, then we don't see it until he rushes into the building, still dragging his his wounded leg, until yeah. we see the fire on his chest, and the woman's just like, "Oh, we didn't, we didn't know you huh? were following us. Exactly, then. it's like we weren't following you. Oh, okay, well uh, we'll just be going now. Yeah. <laughs> Is that okay, yeah. Do you wonder how many times like good people just open fire?" does that make them bad people I, does it make them confused scared like I don't know would, would man. They have, have how many of these have already been picked off by cannibals they thought they'd come back for them Yeah. so a mistake was made Yeah. like it's just a harsh brutal cold world yeah Yeah, and uh, and so we get moments like that
1: yeah and then they, they manage to make it down to the docks or another beach don't they another large yeah. body of water and dad just can't go on anymore he's he's dying he's fucking dying and um, they kind of just settle down on the beach, don't they? And it's just so heartbreaking to know that, like, like they have even said it with Robert De How would you ever know you're the last two people alive? How how would you, you know? wouldn't you would you just wouldn't. be you would you would just you would just be, and so here they are on the beach. You know, Dad's having the last few words with his son because he knows he's not got long. He's literally just gonna die um and and boy is boy had already brought it up before like i wish i would i wish i was with mum and dad's just like well you you want to be dead and the boy's just like yeah and dad's just like don't think like that but then when he's dying the boy's just like i want to come with you i want to come with you and dad's like you can't you've got to stay here you've got to keep the fire going with you know this this, this is what i've worked this is how what i've survived for to keep you Or to at least teach him how to survive. He he tells him to
0: do everything that they did on the road in the rest of his life. (laughs) But that's it. That's it's 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 the really sad moment where in the middle of the night, you know, boy is fast asleep and man is laying there and he's just crying yeah you know and it's the last moment we share with him as an audience because he's crying because well he knows he's going to die but he's crying because he knows he's going to leave his son in this world and yeah. there's nothing else now he can do to protect him and uh and then we cut to the morning and yeah it's a really heartbreaking scene where boy mourns man dad yeah. uh and it's and he must stay know, with
1: him for a little bit because like the body's starts to take on a really grayish color so boy yeah. just won't leave his side
0: well he eventually does because we we stay with him right up until he covers covers him with the sheets
1: yeah 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 uh
0: and ready to to now move on
1: yeah um
0: but that's when he's approached by another stranger and you're just like part of you is just like
1: i totally forgot this this bit i, I totally forgot guy pierce was in this fucking movie right
0: well yes because he's turned up for the end of the ending scene yeah yeah, and uh, and he asks them uh, a couple of questions, and they're both trying to uh, make sure that uh, the other is not going to kill the other, yeah. and they're not cannibals. Yeah. And uh, he explains like, "I've got the fire inside me. Do you?" Yeah. And Guy Pierce is like, w- "What? You're a bit strange."
1: Yeah. I know. Uh, I've got the fire in me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm I'm a good guy. When you When you come with me, because in a way, like Guy Pierce and his family have seen Dad and Boy go in, and so they've been. I don't know, hoping to hook up, work together, you know, hoping that the boy's doing well, whatnot. Film doesn't go into it. We don't need to know. Don't dwell on it, whatever. But the the fact that, like, like, he, he brings the boy up to his family and the mum is just so welcoming. Like, you know, we've even got our own little children. So I'm looking at the... Like, I look at the children and the girl's thinking, fuck, another boy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and the boy's looking at, you know, main boy and he's thinking... Shit, am I going to have to share my shit with him? (laughs) And Guy Pierce is like, Let's rock, you know.
0: I love the dog.
1: The dog's just uh, such a good boy. such a a a good good boy. boy. Oh, man.
0: But yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's hopeful in a way yeah. it's it's sad that the the dad is is gone but he he's got his son here his son and here. has passed him over almost to a welcoming family who look like they've been through this hell for the last 10 years and still remain together and still remain they're together, still fighting yeah. and they really are in essence they must have the fire in them yeah too, yeah uh, to keep going and uh and and it, it, the film ends on a freeze frame uh, of boy it does uh, as yeah. it fades to black into uh into credits uh and now i will say if uh yeah, most people obviously credits are rolling film off done right yeah but uh with a film like this you you kind of want to linger as the credits are oh, going yeah, up you okay. kind of want to just pause like have a moment just let the whole film wash over you yeah and then as the credits are rolling and the music kind of fades out you hear birdsong really you hear children oh, laughing no way. and you're like oh my god like it's almost like you know, we, we saw in the film, like, they find a bug, a beetle, that flies off. yeah, yeah. And you're like, that is a sign of hey. life maybe returning.
1: Life finds a way. I heard that once.
0: Exactly. So yeah. it feels like the sun is going to break through the clouds any yeah. moment. Especially when you hear just that little bit of audio. It's like, it's going to be okay. We're going to rebuild... And things are going to work out. Like, wow. I'm sure more horrible shit happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally, totally, totally. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, like, just let the credits play out. And, like, just the audio alone will, uh, it just eases you back into reality a little bit. Because, yeah, it's a bloody depressing movie.
1: They should totally make Road 2, Fury Road.
0: Oh, well, I'm guessing that's where Charlize <laughs> throne went, actually. She met <laughs> up with Mad Max when yeah. she went off into the abyss. <laughs> I just hope she avoided any fucking crashing
1: spaceships. Should be
0: fine. yeah. <laughs> and did you have any favorite scenes from the road?
1: Oh man, like the movie is just one almighty fucking long favorite scene, and it's. It, I know it sounds strange to say that because it's so dark, depressive, grey, and things like that. But visually, it's impressive. The acting is so impressive. The relationship between dad and boy is so impressive. I absolutely love the sequence with Robert DeVoe. I mean, I think he's a fucking amazing actor and he just conveys another survivor in this story to dad that like we hadn't met many other people up to this point. So then to finally actually sit down with somebody who's been through this shit, you're like, oh yeah, he's been through some fucking horrible shit. Um, I mean, I love the sequence with Michael K. Williams. I think he was an outstanding actor as well. Um, and it's just credit to him to be able to stand there in the freezing cold holding on to his junk. You know, <laughs> it's just fucking, it just imprints in your mind. Um, it's not a favourite scene, but it certainly is memorable. Is that a fucking basement sequence? Where, you know, you want all these people in this house who've been doing this to die. But then at the same time, it's, this is how they survive. I mean, I... I I don't want to dwell on it too much. I love the bombshell sequence, especially when they're sitting down and he's smoking a cigarette and having a Jack Daniels feeding his boy. You know, if if the dog hadn't come along, they'd have lived there forever. They'd have they'd have, they'd have built something on top of it so nobody would have looked at it. They would have maybe have farmed the land. Maybe they'd found other people. I, I, I don't know. It's just an amazing movie.
0: Yeah, there, there are so many uh, favorite scenes. But I just want to go back on that, touch on that a little bit more mm. about... Because it's like, uh, he obviously he feels like he's being followed the whole time. Mm. Every every time somebody encounters someone, like, you following me? Why yeah, are you following you, me? Why are you following me? And uh, it, it almost feels a bit like paranoia Yes. Uh, to an yeah, extent. Totally. Yeah. However, it's at the very end of the film that we find out that this family had been following them the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. just like, but because obviously it was the dog barking that disturbed man enough to want to leave the bomb shelter. Yeah, and of course when we see the dog at the end, we're just like, so this was a family that whose paranoia caused him to want to move and leave. Yeah, when really like they all could have had that bomb shelter together because they were
1: they essentially together. good people. Yeah,
0: um, but uh, so it's but it's also. Just like all the scenes with uh, Vigo Mortensen's portrayal of the man, where he's kind of optimistic at the beginning, yeah. but as the film goes on, he gets more and more downtrodden and beat yeah, to yeah. the point where he's almost teaching his son. You know, he's teaching him the the fundamental survival tactics, and yeah. how to deal with people. But of course, the the son knows that what his dad's sometimes doing is wrong. You know, and uh, and it all comes down to the mum. And that's why I think the scenes with Charlize Theron are very strong in the film. uh, And where he has the scene where he's got the picture of her in his wallet that he ends up throwing.
1: the wedding ring.
0: And the wedding ring that he just pushes to the side because he still can't quite get over push it off entirely. (laughs) But he is still trying to shed everything about her uh, so that he can move on. However, then... For the rest of the film, he's still following her last, you know, directive, which was to go south. Yeah. So even though he shed himself of her, he's still following it's, her anyway. It's like when he it's, found the piano. Yes. Yeah, because he, he, he had chopped up back, the other one for firewood. Yeah. So it's all those moments. You're like, it's so layered. And Vigo's performance is so intense. He has so much... Uh, emotion in his eyes. Yeah. Uh, so even when he's not saying anything, his body language is. Yeah. So yeah, any scene with with him in just not in not even saying anything, just looking, is, is incredible. Yeah. Okay. But first, favorite scene I would say <laughs> uh, is probably uh, the first barn that they go past, and you see the body swinging there. Mm. Uh, and uh, and then it's the scene right afterwards where he reminds his son: two bullets, gun, mouth, trigger, squeeze. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, it's like we're not 15 minutes into the film and he's teaching his son how to blow his brains out. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, we've still got another hour and 45 minutes. (laughs) Oh God, I hope he doesn't have to do that. Jesus.
1: (laughs) I I kept, when he he showed him that, I flashed in my head to Planet Terror where she gives the boy the gun and then she walks away and he he actually shoots himself. (laughs) I was like, can you imagine how the road would have been if that had happened halfway (laughs) through? God.
0: I also really like the the two encounters uh, with with the with the men on the road. Yeah. Uh, the first one with Robert Duvall's old man Eli, and then the other one with Michael Kenneth Williams, the the thief.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, both those encounters, both uh, both very different stories, but yeah, I mean it's a series of encounters along the road essentially, and those two really really stood out for me because I think their performances were were so strong. Yeah you mentioned it as well yeah the fallout shelter just that moment that candle lit dinner where he's having a drink and a smoke with the son and just just a, a chance for those characters to relax and you as yeah. an audience to relax yeah. a little bit too yeah yeah the basement of the cannibal victims as you said it's you only see them for about six seconds but it's uh enough imagery to tell you everything that you needed to know and yeah. uh, it kind of sticks with you so yeah not a favorite
1: scene but yeah. a shocking like memorable one for sure ian
0: You recommend The Road?
1: I fucking highly, 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 highly recommend this movie. I mean, personally, um, I believe if you're even thinking about becoming a fan of film and wanting to have any kind of intelligent conversation with people about movies, The Road is on that list. I mean, we can talk about films every day, come and go, but... Certain films stick with you, hit you on multiple levels, hit you with emotions before you even, you know, where you didn't even think you had that capacity to feel that. And I know, I, I know people who have looked at The Road and gone, I'm not watching that. It doesn't look very good. And I'm like, well, well then I can't talk to you because you don't know what good is. On this, this movie is dark. It's depressive. It portrays a future which is probably more believable than many apocalyptic future films out there and it doesn't even tell us how it does it it literally just gives one actor and another actor a shopping cart and says walk down this road and see what you encounter and it's just fucking amazing
0: oh yeah high recommendation (laughs) from me The Road is a must-watch film that has been expertly adapted from McCarthy's novel, delivering one of the most haunting depictions of a post-apocalypse on screen. It's a bleak and harsh and believable world with very little remaining humanity as strangers are likely to kill you, eat you, and worse. Yes. It's highly depressing with its subject matter, a constant reminder that death is ever-present and considered a luxury in such misery. It's not completely hopeless, though, as man and boy carry the fire south, past desolate landscapes, scattered remains, and while enduring the hostile weather, they keep a spark of humanity alive and in each other. Vigo Mortensen and Cody Smith-McPhee were both outstanding here, showing incredible range in subtle and powerful ways, conveying every raw emotion for us to feel so that we connect with them on this harrowing journey. The entire supporting cast were equally fantastic and memorable, adding a lot of substance and grit to each scene, elevating the whole film. The cinematography by Javier Aguirre Sarobi perfectly frames the ruined wasteland in tones of grey and death, which is married well by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis's melancholy score, punching home that thought of what are we surviving for? Mm-hmm. Are we still the good guys? So, yeah, this film hits hard. It's brutal and bleak. But it's very well made, has some outstanding performances backed with a strong, central, universal theme of parental love. That makes the film resonate so, so strongly. In a moment, the whole world was changed forever. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews.